Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM. I always start this by saying, and today I'm so excited because I've got another great friend joining me, but you know what? That's the great thing about having your own podcast. You can bring all your great friends on who are doing great things and talk about them. So I'm going to say it again. I'm really excited. Today I've got my friend David Atkin from Sanderson Phillips, and he's going to talk to us a little bit more about what he's up to in just a moment. Um, we've known each other now for, well, we've known of each other for a, for a long time, but but we've been involved actively in the BSI group that I talk about quite a lot on this podcast, um, and you've done some great work with us there, so thank you so much for that. And um, we've really sort of developed this, again, passion and this understanding of of your side of the business, which is slightly different to perhaps the corporate side, which is, you know, ISO 31030 and what it's aimed for. Um, but as we've always said, you know, ultimately the the hotel or the accommodation or the or the the provider is potentially looking after both markets. So from that end point, does it matter whether the person is traveling for business or leisure? So anyway, there's lots of things that we can hopefully cover off today. Um, But before I go any further, because I do like to talk, um, that's also why I do a podcast, let me introduce you, David. So please tell our listeners who you are and and what you do, please. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. It's uh, really nice to be here and chatting to you. So uh, I'm co-founder and director of uh, Atkin Jones Limited and we are a travel consultancy we're based up in Cheshire uh, in the northwest and we own and operate uh, Sanderson Phillips and also Tranquilico as of as of January this year they're both um, safety consultancies in their own right working in uh, accommodation as you mentioned with Sanderson Phillips but uh, Tranquilico mainly involved with with DMCs and, and other suppliers so transportation companies activities excursions providers that kind of thing uh, and we also run because we uh, we get bored sometimes. We uh, run something called Just Good Travel, which is a, a member community uh, which is focusing on sustainability and, and responsible tourism. Uh, and we also have a, an outsourcing agency arm called Atkin Jones Outsourcing, which is uh, obviously part of the, the mothership, and that works with small businesses on, on marketing and PR. So yeah, that's what I do in a nutshell. Thank you so much, because I wanted to talk about some of the newer bits and pieces that you've been up to, because obviously I know you from the kind of Sanderson Phillips days, which is, you know, I think you're probably one of the first, am I going to be go too far to say this, one of the first companies to sort of actually look into this idea of security accreditation for properties and to actually start thinking about health and safety accreditation, or... Am I say? Uh, am I am I over? Am I overstepping the mark? Have you you've been doing this for quite some time? Is what I'm trying to get at before yeah. the standard, before all these things kind of were. So tell us a little bit about where it kind of all started for you. Yeah, way before actually. So the business has been operating. This is its 26th year, um, and that came about. Um, so on the on the leisure side, there was a change in in the law. So in 1992, they brought out package travel regulations, yeah. and that put a lot more onus on on tour operators creating holidays for for customers um, to take more responsibility for the uh, essentially the proper performance of those packages 
um, and that included the safety of, of the hotels largely, but also any other um, inclusion. Uh, and that's where it started. Most of these travel companies really good at selling holidays, um, you know, finding unique places and, and, and contracting and, and um, putting together some really nice tours and, and, and experiences. But, um, you know, the whole risk management compliance side was was very new. Uh, and that's where the guy that founded Sanderson Phillips, Graham, um, he, he set up a consultancy just helping tour operators do that. And that's where it all started. Uh, obviously very different these days but um yeah so we we sort of carved a niche uh, working for um sort of medium and some of the larger luxury tour operators that's where that was graham's background that's where all, all his networks were um and i actually worked for him uh, at elegant resorts that's how i first met him um yeah. and then sort of 10 years later we ended up buying his business so but yeah so we're, no, we're not on our own there's quite a lot go on sorry so as you can say, we're not on our own. There's a lot of companies do what we do, um, and then some much larger ones which, which work for, um, for for bigger tour operators. But um, yeah, as I say, we, we've carved ourselves a niche in in, uh, in the luxury market. I remember Elegant Resorts very well. Um, yeah, lovely, amazing tour operator. So I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but one of my first sort of biz, my jobs in travel was in was it was at a tour operator. So I worked for Explore, which was for one of the first kind of adventure operators out there. Um, and I talk about this a little bit because they they had a really amazing sort of crisis management setup, but that's because years previously they'd had a horrendous experience and have been kind of caught yeah. in the media and all of that kind of other stuff that happens with it. Um, but it was uh, the operation department. I just I, I, the, the the appreciation of what actually goes into a tour and how these things have to kind of be set up. Unless you kind of have that visibility, the ops department was much bigger than any other department within the business. You know, looking after the tour leaders and um, ensuring that you know everything was running as it should be. Um, and obviously, yeah, I understand back then there were a huge amount of problems with these package holidays and then problems happening on the other side. So. Yeah. makes sense to when these regulations came in um the how have you found the leisure industry have actually sort of taken this because obviously there's a there's a lot of conversation happening right now around 3130 where you know that the hotels or the accommodation or other ground handlers and providers um are pushing back and sort of saying you know no one's asking for this so why do we need to look into this I guess when there's legal legislation it's it's slightly different but we're talking about the same properties aren't we so it's the same for the most part how did the leisure market take it um slowly at first I think um but as, as with any new piece of legislation obviously the um, cases come along uh, and there begins to be case law and precedent set um and when owners of businesses were seeing the potential ramifications of getting it wrong. Um, so, you know, if, if, if clients could prove negligence, it was really, really serious. Um, you know, company owners can end up in, in prison, um, massive crippling fines, which, you know, as you'll know from tour operating days, that most companies are, are operating on smallest margins so that there isn't um, stacks of cash there to, to um, you know, to, to pay these and, and with the ever-increasing insurance premiums, et cetera. So that was one byproduct of it. Insurance premiums went, went sky high immediately because there was much more risk being being taken on by the, by the company um and then I, I think it settled a little because um fortunately you know very um high impact um accidents and, and incidents are thankfully rare 
um, it then came down to the much more common slip strips and falls um, sickness. You remember a big spike in sickness claims, you know, um, not not so um, uh, well-run insurance companies looking to take advantage of, of potential loopholes, that kind of thing. Um, but then again, you know, the, the, the courts started to side with, with the tour operators because they did an awful lot of work on, on, on food hygiene and making sure that the that genuine instances of, of, of um, you know, food, food illness, for example, food-related illness, um, were, were kept to to a minimum because they they realised the the extra responsibility they, they, they had to have. Um, and what's happened also since then, I think there's been much more of a an awareness that that's what should be happening from the consumer. So, um, you know, well, why didn't you look after me? Why didn't you make my holiday safe? You know, I I've gone away to have a good time and I've come back injured or in some cases, unfortunately, not come back at all, and, and that is a reality of, um, you know, operating tours and, and, and holidays. And, and people, unfortunately, do do not come back, and some of them are preventable. And that's that's the point. I think it's um, well, if if by doing something as simple as installing a carbon monoxide detector in a room where there's a, a fuel fuel burning appliance could save someone's life, why don't you just do that? And that's um, over time what what the industries work really hard to um, to achieve and get through to to um you know all through the through the supply chain um the challenge is you know we we're we're a smallest business we, we work for about 100 brands but um we're we're working in 169 countries um you know we're seeing 15,000 hotels and, and eight and a half thousand suppliers so the, the the reach is broad and you've got all manner of um uh, reactions to being asked to complete checklists and comply with with standards that um, and requirements that aren't maybe law in that country and, and we have all that fun and games on, on a fairly regular basis. I um, I agree and I think that the bit that's particularly interesting for me I guess coming from the the leisure background that I came from but also around conversations we've had is this kind of responsibility around some of the activities and some of the other excursions that you may do so obviously that's built into often a tour operating package for the leisure side but when we then start talking about the events side of business travel um this kind of you know there's there's companies out there that certainly pre-covid were doing some pretty amazing things with their staff and again it's beginning to pick up again now um but in order to do some of these things, in order to do push the boundaries and to be different each time, people end up working with organisations that perhaps are very small, that aren't really aware of the, the, the rules and the regulations around any of this stuff. So it makes it even more trying. And I can imagine why some of those companies, they don't have the, the resources to complete some of this stuff that they need to do, let alone you know the manpower or, the, or even the knowledge. And I think this is why for me standards in this area are just so important because there's this gray area i think within the events industry that is it corporate is it leisure <laughs> where does it kind of sit and actually ultimately i think you hit the nail on the head the consumer already makes the assumption that this stuff is in place while we're arguing about whose responsibility it is <laughs> on the other side and um and it's yeah it's and ultimately you know people are being injured or or you know dying which is obviously something that we have to touch on but that's what we're trying to do right that's what so this leads us to a lovely um you know segue i guess to um to talk to, to talk about your why so what is it about mm. this space that, that that does it for you david um well i guess it, it started i mean apart from 12 months in a, in a bank um i've 
I've worked in travel my, my entire working life. So um, it's sort of in the blood in a way. Um, so that, that was the first thing. And um, I think what happened, I, I was presented with an opportunity um, to, to acquire this business. Um, but I had quite a long time to think about it because um, the guy I bought it from wasn't quite ready when, when we first started talking. So um, from sort of that moment, I was about 2010, I guess. So I had sort of um, eight, 10 years of, of thinking about, um, you know, why it was important. And actually, um, you know, risk and managing risk have been involved in, in most of my roles, even from, from the junior days, you know, back, back when these regulations changed, attaching a health and safety checklist to the back of the contract, that was how you did it, you know, and if they didn't fill in the health yeah. and safety checklist, you wouldn't put them on sale. So even, even from day one, and when, when I started in travel, I'd, I'd been involved in, in travel risk. But then when... Uh, when my sort of my brain kicked into gear about then managing my own business involved in in that space, and, and I'd always wanted to do that. I was want to work for myself and and um, you know be my own boss. It was kind of like, well, this stuff's really important. You know, we're, we're actually if if we get it wrong, you know, the, the potential ramifications of that not only for our clients but for you know people who are just going on holiday and trying to have a nice time. So I think immediately that that sort of gets you going, and and so so there's a real purpose to what we do. Um, and that sort of came full circle uh, a couple of years ago when we did a, a purpose mapping exercise on 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 the business. And you know, it's like when you get down into the day to day, you just operationally try and make things happen and, and, and make sure everybody's happy and it's all working. And actually, the reason we exist is to keep people safe. So you know, that that's the first thing that that you know gets us going and gets out of bed in the morning. And I think the second thing that's happened again over time is that. Um, you know what, what what we want to do is, is try and build a business that that really matters and and it uses uses business as a force for good that's that's the aim for our company so um a, a lot of what we do now is, is focused on on sustainable tourism and, and responsible operations and how um how our clients particularly but literally anybody that wants to engage with us can can operate uh, more sustainably moving forward and that, that's a real big focus so they're, they're my whys Let's dive into that piece at the end a little bit more, okay? The sustainability piece, because it's a it's a word that we are banding around the travel industry, obviously, as we always do. Um, and it feels like 90% of the travel industry have just woken up and started actually carbon tracking a little bit and kind of doing some offsetting, and, and that's kind of where we're going. And I have very, very strong views on this, David, as you can imagine. Um, my I'm I'm all about reduction, you know. We talk when we talk about sustainability in any other industry we talk about reduction first we don't talk about exactly. that in the travel industry we talk about offsetting um mm. and that's because obviously the entire travel industry is currently reliant on people traveling otherwise it doesn't exist so there's a responsibility there i believe for organizations to help and for consultants to help organizations look at reduction first and actually that can come mm. from the travel industry so let's talk about some of how you're how you're approaching that um, within your business if you would be so kind yeah no problem well, first thing we we well firstly we ran around in circles for six months because um because exactly that you know travel is a, is a really difficult business to to do this well in um but eventually we started to find our feet and find things that, that work for us as an organization, but that, that would also potentially work for, for our clients as well. Um, and we, we realized really, um, we, we, you know, you have to lead by example in this. So um, we, we, we had to take time and, and, and get it right, um, you know, within our own 
company first before we could start to um, then influence and try and almost mandate that that um, other companies uh, start to do the same. And we realised really quickly that that a lot of companies have the same struggles that we do that they, they don't quite know where to start. Um, offsetting, like you said, very very common. Well, will offset offset our way out of this. We really can't do that. Um, so okay, we'll start to reduce. Fine, but it's just one small piece, and it's so over overawing as a travel business. I think when you look at the scope three emissions for a travel company, whatever you do, whatever you position in, in the industry, it's really scary. I mean, scope three emissions are scary for, for most businesses, but particularly for travel. And so much of that's kind of out of your control um, right now. Um, but, you know, gazing way further into the future, you, you know, um, we, we have to find a way um, to continue to um, have success and be um, profitable as companies, even, you know, even, even things like B Corp allow you to make money. It's not, we're not saying, you know, that strip it all away and spend all the extra money on, on, on being more responsible. Um, obviously, we have to make money as businesses, but it's how we go about that. Um, and I think the really brave companies will start to find ways to, you know, to change what they do, to change their products, and and um, and and start to focus more on on um, properties and suppliers who can demonstrate that they are also reducing and and are really focusing on their own scope threes. And that's probably, if we look at it now, I think the only realistic chance we've got of, of meeting those targets by twenty thirty, if. if way more companies start doing something straight away yeah it feels like it's gone way past it doesn't it i mean i'm i'm i remember you know microsoft making some crazy statements about you know during covid that you know they were going to reduce by 50 percent, and it felt like <gasps> to the travel industry but it's actually a, it's a figure that i use regularly because as i've been now working within corporate and well, i've always worked within corporate but in this new sort of remit uh, travel risk management for me includes sustainability because that is a risk to a business if you're not managing your program and you're just traveling unnecessarily like you know that's it's, it's insane and there's an average across the businesses that I'm working with that obviously over COVID their carbon emissions reduced massively so they were sort of patting themselves on the back and you're like mm, it wasn't really through choice was it you didn't really you know that that's well done but and obviously what's then happened is usually the carbon emissions for a business depending on the type of business but the travel emissions they sit at around 10 or 20 percent and actually it's generally the rest of the business that are you know whatever they're doing is creating the rest of it so that's where the focus tends to be and we tend to then ignore the travel piece and just and just offset um assuming that all travel is purposeful and assuming that people wouldn't be traveling if they didn't need to and i think this is the issue i think this is where we've lost ourselves is that the world has changed now and we can do things differently we don't have to travel like we did and it's not to say we shouldn't but it's about each organization really beginning to understand what that purposeful travel is um and you know because it's scary you know i've been working with a client who i would chat start, started chatting to the sustainability team and within the last six months their carbon emissions through travel have increased by 50 percent for them, that's 10% of their overall cost. But what it's doing is skewing all of the other good work that they're doing across the business. And they don't know how to get a grip of it. Um, so I think for me, these two things just sit together so succinctly. So I think it makes sense to me why you thought the same and you've done the same with your business because mm -hmm. you kind of, you know, you're working in those three areas that actually all sit together. Yeah. 
Yeah, and well, of course, I, you know, we, we drive carbon down, drive costs down, right? So it works together. Yeah, I think that that's obviously a benefit that, that people need to see fairly early on that, that that actually you know it doesn't just cost a lot more money to to have this in place. You know, if we put someone in there in charge of of, of working through it, you know, that's that's an extra headcount. It's you know a specialised area, so you know um, sustainability consultants aren't aren't cheap. You know, it's an investment almost to 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 do things properly, but. Um, you know, you just see the likes of Intrepid Travel and what, what they've managed to do and, um, you know, the way they operate. They're, they're really great. They, they, they give away resources to help other companies reach the science-based targets. I mean, they don't need to do that, you know, but they don't they don't see it as a competitive edge. You know, they're doing what they do Good. because they think it's the right thing to do and they want to share all that knowledge. And, and I think that's that's a great, you know, great way to be about it. And it's that's why it's so similar to safety in a way, because um, obviously we have to charge companies for what we do. We can't give away our information. You know, we're a, we're a business, we have to operate profitably. But, um, you know, we, we'd much rather work with a client and, and bring them in so they can have access to all the information we already have at a price point that's, you know, accessible for them rather than, than not do anything. Um, so that's always the way it, it, it's worked. That's not just my influence. That's how that's been you know all, all those years all, all the way through um and i think you know we looked at the the criteria for sustainability and, and we we worked to the, the global sustainable tourism council which a lot of the accreditation systems do so we set up a, a certification um, program for travel organizations um but we realized that a lot of accommodation providers hotel brands are already they already have one or they're already on the way to, to getting one um and actually our 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 core networks are the tour operators themselves. Um, so that's where we, we really want to focus. We want to work with our clients and, and other travel organizations to get them certified so they can then start to, to encourage and then eventually hopefully mandate that their supply chains also have have some kind of certification. And that's you know the, the absolute starting point. We'll go from there. Well, I think it's fantastic, David. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And yeah, key, key passion of mine is always a really good opportunity to talk about it and it's just not something that gets sort of talked about quite like this um like i say it's always about offsetting not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as iso 31030 a gap analysis exercise from ascent risk management is the best place to start our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at wwwascent one which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. So let's ask, go on to what, so let's think about, obviously you've got a lot of experience in this area. Um, so people wanting to perhaps look to align with 31030 or just maybe, you know, I talk about, it doesn't really matter whereabouts in the business you sit, um, but there's something you can be doing across this because you're a stakeholder of some kind uh, within your business. So if people are wanting to start looking at this, David, what are your golden nuggets of advice that we could tell our listeners? So I had a little thing about this because, um, yeah, it, so my, well, it's broken down a little bit. There's not just one thing, but, it starts with being curious, I think, is to to ask questions, even if there's no formalized risk management structure or, or process in, in the business you work in, you know, if you work in a smaller organization. Um, 
but you know challenge um you know ask ask the the leaders and the management teams what's happening if you're, or if you're part of that team even better you know um, challenge your colleagues um there really could be quick wins and low-hanging fruit within your business you might be doing some good stuff already it's just not formalized but but use use what's there use the, the resources that are there to help you um, to make positive differences with, with risk management and, and to tackle it. It's not an easy subject, neither is sustainability, but as you said, they're inextricably linked. So you've got to, um, you've got to work on, on, on that side of it. Um, and then, you know, can you encourage more sustainability and responsible um, traveling or, or uh, procurement or whatever it might be within in, in your organization? Because as you said earlier, I think, I think sustainability is the biggest single risk for travel just even the nature of travel um longer term um and the third sort of thing theme of that is that no one should be sort of trying to stop you do this you know if you're coming up against resistance in trying to do these things um then i don't know maybe maybe it's time to 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 look for an, another organization to work for potentially because i think you know risk management is also opportunity management is it not you know i think wherever there is something risky, whatever it might be, internal, external, there's always an opportunity to, to improve once you've um, you know, put a plan in place to mitigate and control control that risk. Um, and that's very much what we see on the safety side, you know, in the businesses we work with, the ones that handle their, the, the exposure that they have to risk on, on the leisure side, um, they are generally very well thought of because they just look after their people. They have this, this sort of moral responsibility. So you don't hear duty of care um, mentioned much in the leisure world that's very much a you know a business travel term but that's kind of what it is they they understand that they really have to look after their, their customers and the customers are starting to say well yeah you know i know the hotel is selling me safe but now i want it to be sustainable and sustainably safe and you know so that's uh, that's my nugget broken down into three bits if that's all right I love that. So curious, be curious. Yes, this is me constantly. So ask questions, you know. So when we're putting the stakeholder groups together, we talk about, you know, go and talk to your colleagues. They can be the exec team, but they may well also just you know, be the managers or just, you know, your 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 um your other kind of colleagues at the same sort of level as you are. Wherever you are in the business, start asking these questions. I love that. Don't just make assumptions. And it's so common for the businesses to put lots of stuff in as far as technology is concerned. Um, and then just sort of have a tick box and none of it's actually made. Do the travelers even know that it's there? Do they understand it? Does it actually work? Is it fit for purpose? And these are good questions to start asking and to, to push yourself. But I also love, yeah, I mean, I think this is the thing, right? As travel risk management really takes hold and obviously risk management as its precursor, for those companies that aren't, the questions are why, you know, and do we want to work for that sort of question? You've got employees coming into the workforce now going, sorry you you what <laughs> you don't look after us in any way when we're it, you know there's just there's no excuse for it um and a company's reputation could be shot to pieces overnight right you know we live in a world where people want to have a you know a social media uh following and they will put stuff out there if they think it's gonna you know do that so you're not you're not safe so it's a case of yeah it's for me it's a case of why but i love this so <clears throat> So let's just recap on the um, on the golden nuggets. So be curious, challenge, um, mm -hmm. and then see what you can actually do to make things different and bring that sustainability conversation into the risk management piece because the two things are together. Yeah, Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, sustainability is one of those words. The minute you mention it, it kind of, um, I don't know, it, it, people switch off. It's kind of, you've got to, 
in fact, one of our one of our guys wrote a blog about how to talk about sustainability without using that word, <laughs> because it's much more powerful if you if you drill down into into the details of it. Agreed. No, of course. And I, and I kind of feel the same with travel risk. As soon as you say ISO thirty one hundred thirty, light bulbs off. I mean, as soon as you say ISO, right? It just it, it <laughs> it's so crazy that these standards are there to help us, but we see them as this kind of block. Mm. Um, but actually, you turn around and say, well, what would you do if your daughter was travelling and she didn't have, you know you didn't know where she was or she was just going off. And suddenly that's a very different conversation, isn't it? You just have to make it real for people, I think, um, and try and hit them in their sweet spots. And I think sustainability is one way of doing that with travellers, for sure. Um, David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I knew that it would be. Um, to all of our listeners, you've been listening to David Atkin from Sands and Phillips and various other organisations now. So I have to make sure that I get this right moving forward. You've been listening to Talking TRM with Travel Respects. We come out every fortnight. You can um, subscribe on various and loads of platforms and please do leave us comments because we like to hear back from you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31 or 30, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a Scent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.